listeners. If you love the Hashtag Am Writing podcast, you'll love the Hashtag Am Writing emails. So sign up. You get show notes and links, sure, but that's not all. You'll get invites to ride-alongs along with bonus episodes and thoughts on revision, TikTok, and more, plus access to commenting and chatting on Substack. And we will never, ever share our list with anyone else because we wouldn't and because that sounds like way too much work and we're mostly in this for the hang. So pop your name on our list at amwritingpodcast.com. Is it recording? Now it's recording. Yay! Go ahead. This is the part where I stare blankly at the microphone and try to remember what I'm supposed to be doing. All right, let's start over. Awkward pause. I'm going to wrestle some papers. Okay. Now one, two, three. Okay. Hey, fellow writers. It is June 2023, almost July, and it's KJ here. And my voice is all nice and warmed up because I've just spent um, an hour leading a discussion of Laura Vanderkam's excellent book, Off the Clock. And if you would like to hear that, head to lauravanderkam.com and dig around for the book club. And I think you'll be able to um, find it. It was a great discussion. But I am coming to you solo today and possibly a little slowly and with a lot of pauses for thinking because... I want to bring back the summer series that we did last year on blueprints for a book, on um, the different ways to get started with different kinds of books. But I don't, I actually want to talk to you sort of fresh and new about how I start when I start writing a book because I sat down. Um, and had a phone conversation with a new writer recently. And that was one of the things she asked me was basically sort of, well, um, you know, when you have the idea, which is a whole nother topic, what do you do first? Where's the beginning? You know, how do you write, it was a dark and stormy night or whatever, and and keep going? And And that's actually an excellent question because you can't finish unless you start. And for some people, starting is hard because it feels like you need to find just the right place or you shouldn't start until you know exactly what you're doing or exactly what you're going or where you're going. Um, You shouldn't start until you have the theme. You shouldn't start until you have the ending. You shouldn't start until you know who you're writing about. And that is stuff that honestly, uh, I think, varies for all of us. So... To some extent, I'm going to tell you that you have to find your own starting point. But what I am going to do is just to talk to you about how I find my starting point and um, <laughs> what I do once I find it. Because as I said, it is it is the end of June and I'm I'm wrapping up a draft of the book that you're about to hear me talk about creating the idea for as we go into our summer series, which is eight episodes about coming up with an idea and choosing an idea and refining an idea. And I'm super, super excited to share those with you. So I'm kind of, consider this a prologue because this is what I did with the idea that I settled on and what to do when you get started. So depending on where you are in your writing process, um, 
this week maybe for you to get started. And meanwhile, you'll be able to come back and, and listen to all the podcasts about refining ideas starting next week. Or you can bookmark this one and come back to it after the idea episodes um, and re-listen to it when it comes time to start something new. So, of course, when I am starting something new, I create a formal and proper outline with Roman numerals in the style that my English teacher taught me that explains every single thing that will happen to the book in order. And yeah, I hope you can tell from the tone of voice, and I hope you all know me well enough to know that that is so not what I do. And yet, the first thing that I do is sort of an outline. It's a very vague outline. Sometimes I type it because I think best while my fingers are moving. Sometimes I scribble it in a notebook. I used to try to write it in something that would turn it into text until I realized that it didn't really matter. Um, this is probably not honestly something I'm going to go back to. Um, this is typically like sort of a mishmash of things like drafts of the flap copy, the kinds of one-sentence descriptions that are going to show up later in what I hope will be a publisher's marketplace announcement, um, the promise that I'm making to my reader. Sometimes it's a list of the different sections that I think are going to show up in the book. The, you know, what's the fun and games? What's the thing that the, that the reader is there for? What's going to be the middle? What's the midpoint? What's going to be the all is lost moment? At this stage of the game, I am noodling. Um, in this case, I did go over this with my agent, and I think it actually is an excellent idea, even if you, whether you've got an agent, whether you've got a writer group, whether you've got anything, I think it's a really great idea as you're starting to suck it up and talk to someone else about your idea. And can I just tell you, that will be painful. It will hurt no matter who you are or where you are in the process. You will feel like a total dope. Okay, I don't know. It's going to be a book about a wizard and they don't know they're a wizard and then they have to go to school. And I mean, obviously you know what that one is, but I guarantee you J.K. Rowling did not feel like a genius when she was throwing that one out there. She felt like it was the stupidest thing in the history of the world. And it took her, you know, 15 sentences to explain something that could be boiled down to one sentence. So you got a couple of possibilities there. You can actually sit down and hash through the very beginning of the idea with someone if you're that kind of person and can do that. And just as that kind of person, I think, I am not. I need to be able to sort of stare at the ground while I recite a sentence that I have come up with that will describe the book. But to say that to someone and have them take you seriously and have them go, oh, cool, all right, um, you know, tell me what happens when such and such, or ooh, what if um, such and such other thing happened, or ooh, that makes me think of this book or that book, which you may be like, oh, no, that means someone else has already written it. But no, 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 no. The fact that there are comps out there for your book is fantastic. So I really, really encourage you to go ahead and talk about your idea with someone. Oh, my gosh, I hate, I hate even saying it. Before you do that, 
maybe you want to sit down and poke holes in it yourself. And like I said, this is going to be the topic of eight forthcoming episodes, how we handle ideas, how we come up with them, what they are in fiction, what they are in nonfiction. But I am going to throw out there right now, because I always look at it, the book, The Idea. Seven, no, The Seven Elements of a Viable Story for Stage, Screen, or Fiction. It's by Eric Bork. And it is a great way to just think about what's a real idea um, and see whether or not you have one. And I'm not, I'm not going to get too deeply into that because that's where we're going next week. So when I have what I think is the idea and when I'm starting... Um, what I am really doing is trying to make sure that I have some idea what the point is, why a reader would want to write, to read this book, why I want to write this book. Um, you know, I think we kid ourselves into thinking, well, what I want to write is a story about, uh, you know, witches and magic, but because I'm thinking about playing the witch card, which is my fall book. And yeah, I did want to write a book about witches and magic, but really, I was in the middle of the pandemic. I was struggling with a lot of things, including how little control I felt like I had over all the various elements of my life. And I wanted to write a book about coming to terms with the fact that you don't have any control over a lot of the things that happen. And you have to learn to live with that. So what I ended up really, what that book is ultimately about is even if you have magic, you cannot fix the things you would really want to fix. You cannot make your child do what you want. You cannot make everything perfect. It would sort of ruin the entire point of life if you could. So that's really what that ended up being about. And it's not like I knew that going in, but I had kind of an inkling. So that's what I'm trying to get to as I noodle around when I start. So when I sit down, when I start, maybe I grab Jemmy Nash's blueprint for a book and I go through some of the exercises. Maybe I write why I want to write this book. Maybe I write some flap copy. Maybe I throw out a one sentence description. I do something that's going to give me some guideposts. And then maybe I sketch out something, you know, an actual outline. And at this point, I'm snuggled up with my writing books. I've got Blueprint for a book. I've got Save the Cat writes a novel. Um, and I'm maybe I'm making a list of the people in the book or the moments that I want to happen in the book. A great thing to do that I don't always manage to do is to figure out what the money scene is. You know, the one where the character is going to be like, oh, yes, they're figuring it out. Ooh, you know, this is what I'm here for. They're, they're discovering their love or they're getting their revenge or the person that has been so difficult all along is admitting that they were wrong. Writing towards that money scene is a great thing to do. I'm not fantastic about it, but it... So you could sit down to start and write the money scene first. Another thing I'm going doing at this point is I'm looking at my re recent reads, and I'm... I don't necessarily even go look at the stack, because what I want to do is I want to figure out which are the ones I remember and why. What is it that I remember about them? What is it that spoke to me in that book? And 
what can I put in my new book that's going to speak to readers in that same way? And at this point, I'm, you know, I'm just sort of walking through the buzzwords that, that you've heard. I was just listing them. The, the pain point, the all is lost moment, the muddly middle, the money scene. I'm trying to come up with all of those things. So I've got a whole lot of whys now, and I've probably got maybe some words and some of them are typed and they are not anything that's going to go into a book, but I do feel like I'm working. And yet, and yet, and yet, there does come that moment when you write, you know, the words chapter one. Actually, I don't do that. I just start writing, but you could write the words chapter one. For me, I open a Scrivener document and I heave a bunch of this stuff into it. If I've made a timeline, I put that in. If I've done any character sketches, I put those in. And I don't do those according to any character books, although you could. I just like to know who it is that I'm I'm dealing with. And then if I did sketch out a money scene or anything like that, I give that a place. And maybe for me, so one of the things I often do is sort of take that vague, loose outline of things that's going to happen and I try not to refer to it because if I can't remember what's going to happen, I probably need to sit down a little harder. And I write three words for each, for a bunch of possible scenes. And I give each of them an open Scrivener document with the result that it looks like I have like 20 Scrivener documents that consist of things like she tells her mom or, you know, he admits he's wrong or the karaoke scene. <laughs> They're great. It's basically practically a whole book right there. You could just read them and no, yeah, no, not, not hardly. But that's how I start. I make a Scrivener document um, and I start with that. You could also make a Word folder and create a bunch of documents labeled one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Uh, you know, put a few words into those. You could, I find it really unwieldy to work within a single Word document because once you get to 60,000 words, everything's going to move really slowly. I think you need individual things. That's why I like Scrivener. There's also Dabble, which is also out there. But you could, you could just open up a single Word file, write the words chapter one, start going. And when that file gets unwieldy, you know, open another file that's like, chapter six on and keep going from there. It doesn't really matter how you do this stuff, but you got to start somewhere. So you can start with a chapter one, which is probably just going to be you thinking about your character and where they are and why now. And it probably isn't going to end up being your first chapter. It might not even end up being your the first chapter in the book. Or to have some real fun, you could, like I said, start with that money scene. Start or any money scene. Start with a powerful moment in your character's journey that you can mentally write. And you might write that in internal dialogue. I tend to write it in dialogue, dialogue. And I tend to write it with no dialogue tags and as few like he got up and he sat down and, and she picked up her cup of coffee sort of things as possible. And it ends up being basically like sort of a, a he said, she said, or she said, she said list of quick, frantic, 
sentences. And sometimes I go back and I'm like, man, I can't even tell who's talking here. But most of the time, I can. That is stuff that when I write it often does end up in the final draft. So starting with whatever's pulling you for this book could be a great entry. And then the question is, okay, what what's next? You know, how do you keep going? I typically start this process with time goals. I plan to spend um, two 50-minute chunks, three 50-minute chunks, sitting with the file open, with the document open. That allows for the thinking that sometimes happens. Um, So using a time goal in the beginning lets me kind of release the need to write words that may be the wrong words and really think about where I'm going. And then I'll have a period where I've got a word goal and I will trot along at a thousand words or 1500 words, or right now I'm in 1800 words a day. And I like to keep track of how long that takes me. Serena and I have done episodes before about pre-writing. Here I'm making a note to myself to put that in the um, in the show notes so y'all can have it. That is where you jot down like sort of where this scene is going and a few quick lines of dialogue and then you go back and you fill it in. And I find that if I do that, I can make my thousand words really quickly. I love doing that. But inevitably, I crash into a point where whatever's happening next like, I don't know. I, I thought I knew what was happening next. I thought this was worth enough, but now it's not. And then I go back to those time goals because you got to spend the time thinking. The thinking time is more important than the word time. And making words pretty is the worst possible use of your time at this stage of the game. And believe me, I have fallen into that dozens, dozens of times. And okay, let me just back up and say, I just listened to a really wonderful podcast with, and I will put this in here too. It's uh, Rachel Heron's How Do You Write? And it was a guy, I don't remember his name. He was a thriller writer. And he does more of an outline and a polish words and get the chapters right as he's going along. So if you are feeling like this isn't speaking to you, you should go and listen to that because maybe, maybe that will. But for me, the words come last. So if I don't know where I'm going, I need to spend time thinking. So back off, more time goals. But then there comes a point, and that is the point that I am at now, when I just need to keep writing this until I get to some end with a deep acceptance that it may be the wrong end, that the things that I've done may not, you know, they may not stick, they may not be right. But I have to get to the end and have the character go through everything and hopefully learn what it is that I think she, and for me it's usually a she, needs to learn so that I can revise, so that I can figure these things out. And that is a sort of, that's the truth of the lowly first draft that people talk about all the time. The reason you have to get to it is that Without it, for a lot of us, we we don't know what it is that we're really doing. So um, it's not terrible because you're a terrible writer. It's not 
terrible because you couldn't write beautiful words around the things that you think are going in this book. It's terrible because you don't know what's going in the book. And the weird for me, so now I'm I'm drafting what I hope will be my fourth book. And I think I used to resist the idea of the terrible first draft because I can write a good first draft. And it's true, I can. But what I have learned is that I shouldn't. I should write a lousy first draft so that there's more room for it to grow and change. And I don't get as invested in the time that I have spent on making it, on making it good. So at some point, I'm just wildly writing along to get to some kind of end so that that process of improving everything can keep going. All right, that is what I have to say to you about how to start a book. Now, what comes with this episode is in the show notes, a link to everything we did last summer on the Blueprint for a Book series. Last summer's series was aimed at helping you get through this start. It was aimed at giving you a week-by-week program to follow to get a book started. And if you are at the point of starting something new, if summer is your best time for that, I wanted to give you the opportunity to go back, listen to those episodes, and follow that program because it's really great. So all the details for that will be in the show notes. Be sure to take a look, and um, I hope you get a blueprint done. If you do, write me at the end of August and let me know. There were all kinds of opportunities last summer to share things, which we don't, you know, we don't have that. We can't do it all the time, but I would love to hear what you were working on and um, and to hear that it was successful. So you can always reach us by emailing us, uh, amwriting at substat.com, something like that. I never know the podcast e- email address, but we are super easy to find. Just sign up to get the show notes and reply, and it will come into my email inbox. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, I got to close this out right. Until next week, keep your butt in the chair and your head in the game. The Hashtag AmWriting podcast is produced by Andrew Perella. Our intro music, aptly titled Unemployed Monday, was written and played by Max Cohen. Andrew and Max were paid for their time and their creative output because everyone deserves to be paid for their work. Listeners, there's honestly nothing I love more than a good writing retreat, especially one that comes with solid coaching and the chance to meet other writers who are working on similar projects. This fall, three Author Accelerator certified book coaches are offering what sounds like a dream retreat, if what you're working on is telling your own story. It's called Mainly Memoir, and it's a retreat for women writers in historic Biddeford, Maine. Mainly Memoir 
will provide three days in the gorgeous Maine woods in September with one-on-one coaching both before, during, and after the retreat. It is the perfect opportunity to give yourself the gift of time and focus so that you can make real progress on your memoir this year. Mainly Memoir will be held from September 21st through 24th, 2023. A scholarship is available for a memoirist from a community that has been traditionally underrepresented in publishing. Learn more at MainlyMemoir.com, and as you've probably guessed, Mainly is spelled M-A-I-N-E-L-Y. So that's Maine the State, MainlyMemoir.com.